What's up, City Hope? How's everybody doing? So, so good to see you guys. Welcome to church. Um, And just a real quick tag on the video that you just saw. Uh, We are so proud of our graduates that graduated City Hope College. It's a two-year program, if you don't know. And we had 15 graduate this year that we are now sending out into the world. Uh, We're actually getting to keep a couple here, and then some are going to go all over the country into ministry. Um, I like to look at it as we are launching arrows out into the world, into the Big C Church to impact the world. So um, you guys help me out. Put your hands together uh, and help me just congratulate the 15 City Hope College graduates. Uh, an, an absolute amazing bunch, and they're actually on a plane right now headed to Israel. All 15 of them um, are going to Israel. So right after graduation, which was Thursday, they hopped on a plane and went to Israel, which is pretty amazing. Um, so we're so proud of this bunch, and I have to say real quick uh, to give some honor to Pastor Danny Fire, who leads our City Hope College. Many of you know Pastor Danny uh, and his wife Trish help out with that. Uh, so do me a favor. Let's put our hands together for him too, for Pastor Danny and Trish. Their whole team just do a fantastic job. Well, listen, welcome to church. It's so good to have you guys with us. Welcome to all of our campuses. Uh, Everybody that's watching online, all three correctional centers that we're in. Uh, We're so glad that you guys are with us today as well uh, because we are one one big church, one big family in lots of uh, houses, lots of rooms, and we're so glad that you guys are with us today. This month, the month of May, we're, um, we're not really in a sermon series uh, we've just kind of been doing some what I call standalone messages, just some things that God's put on our heart, my dad and I both. And last week we had Andy, Andrew, which was incredible. And just some different things that God's just kind of putting before us. And so today's like that. It's just kind of a standalone message, something that God's put on my heart that I want to share with you. Um, and then in a couple of weeks, we're going to launch our next series on June 2nd. Uh, it's called Joyride, and I can't wait for that. But, uh, but for today, the word that God's put on my heart um, is... It's really something that I've been wrestling with for a little while now, um, personally. Um, I shared it with our staff several months back in a kind of a different format. And actually, in some ways, this was my challenge to our college graduates on Thursday night through the graduation ceremony. Um, in, in, in one way or another, it was kind of the same message, this same thing that just kind of keeps bubbling to the surface. And, um, and I felt like it was time for us to begin talking about it, for us to just put it out there. Because it's meant a lot to me. It's mattered to me and my growth and my development as a believer, my development in faith. Um, And so that's kind of where I want to unpack today. And it it all kind of starts in the Old Testament with a guy by the name of Jeremiah. And a lot of us are familiar with Jeremiah. And there's one verse in the very first chapter of Jeremiah that we've probably all heard. Um, Even if you're not a believer believer, or even if you've never been to church before, you've probably heard this verse. You know, at some point in your life, you've heard this. Um, But God says this to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1 verse 5. He said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. This is such an important verse. Individually for you and I, this is an important verse. Because what this says about our life is so important. That God knew about our existence well before we were conceived. God knew that we were coming. And not only that, but he took an extra step and even planned what our existence would look like. He appointed us, he called us, he gave us purpose and he gave us destiny. And he's speaking this over Jeremiah and Jeremiah, as he grows, he becomes a prophet in the nation of Israel, an amazing man of God. 
an amazing man of God that endured some of the more hard things that you can ever imagine. Even, even in light of the Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament's got some crazy stuff that goes down. In light of all of that, Jeremiah is just in the middle of it. He's impacted by every bit of it. He's impacted by his own life. And God says, look, I've appointed you. I've called you for something. So Jeremiah steps out in his life and he's immediately met with opposition and obstacles. In that point in history, the nation of Israel was split between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom had been worshiping idols. And because of that, God allowed them to be taken into captivity. He said, you turn your back on me. He took his blessing off of them and they were taken into captivity. And so Jeremiah was speaking to the southern kingdom and he's pointing to the northern kingdom and he's saying, guys, look, this is exactly what's about to happen to you. This is exactly what's about to happen to every one of us. You turn your back on God. You're worshiping other idols. You're all these other, there's false prophets that are speaking up. There's all these other things. And Jeremiah is trying to get his voice heard. He's trying his best to tell them, listen, you are headed toward destruction. It's all coming down. And this is going to shock you, but Jeremiah, Jeremiah wasn't very popular. He wasn't very popular at all. They didn't like his message. They didn't like what he was saying at all. As a matter of fact, in the entire book of Jeremiah, we only see two converts. In the entire book of Jeremiah, and it's a long book, we only see two converts. He was speaking this kind of truth to the nation, to the people, and he was met with constant opposition and obstacles. As a matter of fact, his own family tried to kill him. His own family hired an assassin to take him out. Right? False prophets were being raised up. There were all these people speaking out against him. They were coming after him. As a matter of fact, he even says it this way, that all of these false prophets seemed to be more successful than he was. He actually asked God, he's like kind of, uh, kind of, he's known as the weeping prophet. He's kind of just kind of whining to God a little bit. He's just praying. He's frustrated. He's angry. And he's going, why in the world you called me for this? You called me to, you said I was appointed and set apart. Why is all this opposition happening? Why is all these obstacles in front of me? Why are they seemingly becoming successful? And I'm not. And here I am, God, I'm yours. I'm I'm supposed to be blessed. I'm supposed to be highly favored. I'm supposed to be appointed. Why in the world am I not experiencing the thing that you promised? Like, what's the deal? What's going on? Everything else around me seems to be doing better than what I'm doing, and I'm yours. And this is God's response, which if God responds to you this way, you wouldn't be happy. So you can imagine the way Jeremiah feels when God responds this way in Jeremiah 12. He says this, if racing against mere men makes you tired, Jeremiah, then how in the world will you ever race against horses? He said, because the thing I've called you to is racing with horses. It's bigger than any man can do on his own and in his own strength. It's a calling, it's a gift, it's a purpose that goes beyond what you can humanly do. He said, listen, you believer, follower of Jesus Christ, there's purpose and there's destiny. He's looking at him and he's saying, listen, you're whining about the men in front of you, the problems, the opposition. You're whining and you're complaining about all these things in front of you. But I've called you to run past all of that. I've called you to actually run with horses, to run at a whole nother level, to to have a calling and a purpose that's so much bigger than all of that. Of course, that's not what Jeremiah wanted, right? This is the picture that I have. I, I, for the very first time ever, watched the Kentucky Derby this year, uh, ever. And I didn't learn very much about horse racing, but I learned a lot about hats, a whole lot about hats, Um, right? But here's what I know. When I look at those horses race around that track, I know that it's impossible for a man to race against horses. 
in his own strength. But he looks at Jeremiah and he says, this is what you're called to do. I've appointed you. I've called you. Jeremiah's running looked a little bit more like this. And you may have seen this video uh, this past week. Uh, it's kind of, been, kind of been circling around. But to me, this is what Jeremiah's running looked like. Uh, go ahead and roll that beautiful bean footage. It's Grant and Tucker, 1-2 A&M. They both clear the 10th hurdle without a problem. It's going to be Tucker. Yes, he dives for the tape. He was second last year. He wasn't about to leave it on the track. He, he wins, but his winning involved a face plant. Like, it was everything he could do to get across that line first, right? It was everything that he could do. And if Jeremiah is winning, this is the way he's winning. He is flat on his face. He is just busted, right? And yet God is saying, dude, you can't even hang with this. And I've called you to so much more. I've called you to so much more. Here's what God did not say. God did not come in and say, you know what, Jeremiah, you're right. There's too much opposition, there's too much struggle, there's too much trial, there's too much problems. Let me, just, let me just wipe out all of this opposition and create a smooth, easy road for you to get to your purpose. Let me just level it all. Let me, just, let me come in and just and wipe out all the opposition and then, then you think you could make it? No. He says the way you get to your purpose is you first have to accomplish running with men. You first have to accomplish running through the obstacles and the problems and all these people talking about you and all these things that are happening. The way you actually get to your purpose is you run through that because it builds character. It moves you closer and closer to God. He said, that's the way you get there, right? The way you get there is always through here. There is no bypass. You know, those cities and you know, places where there's that bypass road that goes around the whole city. No, there, there isn't that. There isn't a bypass to go around it. The way you get to your purpose is through the obstacles that are put in front of you. And this is what he's telling Jeremiah. Hey, listen, pull your boots up and get ready because obstacles are a part of life. Problems are a part of life. But you are called to accomplish and to defeat those so that you can run with horses. So that you can accomplish what God put you on this planet to accomplish. And this is the story all the way through the Bible. There's never a shortcut. There's never a way around. There's never a bypass. There's never, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to give you that obstacle. God made a mistake. Let me, let me move it out of the way. Now you got a clear shot for your destiny. Go get him, tiger. That never happens. I don't know if God calls you tiger or not, but he does me sometimes. And he pats me on the butt. Nah, go get him, tiger. You know, and he laughs at me like, oh, you're cute. Hmm. You silly little boy, right? Right? But he's not going to move anything out of the way. It's through those things for me to get to my destiny. And this is all through the Bible. It's in the New Testament, especially in the New Testament, where James especially says it this way in James 1. He says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. It's when your faith is tested that your endurance has a chance to grow. So what? So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. It's on the other side of that testing. It's on the other side of that obstacle, of that trial. It's on the other side of that, that our faith actually becomes fully developed, fully alive, perfect and complete, needing nothing. It's on the other side of those obstacles and trials that we actually get to a mature faith. That we actually get to the life, the calling, the thing that God called us to. This is such a big deal. This is so important for us as believers to understand. 
First off, this is what James is saying right here at the very beginning. He says, when troubles of any kind come your way. In other words, when, not if. In other words, they're coming. Troubles are coming. It's going to happen. Go ahead and just buckle your seatbelt. Trials, troubles, um, disappointments, uh, rejection, issues, problems. Like, it's going to happen, he says. They're going to come your way. It's guaranteed. You know, it's interesting to me because we, we look around the world right now and we see problems everywhere. We see trials and suffering and issues everywhere we look. We even see them in our friends and the people closest to us. We feel sorry for them. We have empathy for them. We pray for them. We have compassion for them. We pray for them. But we are so surprised when we run into troubles and trials. It, like, it shocks us. Oh, my goodness, what in the world? I think because a lot of us in our faith journey, we believe that God is more of a retaining wall around us than he is someone that's walking with us. We believe that he is this thing that's going to keep the waves from actually hitting us, but that's not at all what he promises to do. He promises to walk with us through those things. And in James, it's like, it's actually like, James is kind of saying, hey, listen, this is actually the way you get to a perfect faith. Like this is kind of a primary method, a primary mode of growth for your spiritual walk is to go through trials, is to go through suffering, is to go through hard times because that's what actually tests you and prepares you for the next step. The other thing James says is this, these two words right here, troubles of any kind. You know, I I look out here and I, I can think through all the campuses and the guys in the correctional centers, the people that are watching online right now to think of all the different kinds of trials and suffering that we're going through right now. Because my guess is if James says it's going to happen, and they're all kinds, my guess is the majority of us right now are up against something. Maybe it's a little bit smaller right now, this week. You know, last week it was massive. This week it's a little bit smaller. But some weeks it's huge. Some weeks it's the loss of a job or a loved one or a diagnosis. And some weeks it's, it's another argument. It's another problem. It's that kid. It's that issue with the child. Whatever it is. But there's always different levels of issues and problems that we're walking through. You know, anytime we're down at the Gulf hanging out at the beach, um, you know, we'll spend a couple of days down there sometimes. And, and almost always one morning... The gulf is like just perfectly calm. And it's kind of eerie. It's just perfectly calm. But it doesn't last very long. Because eventually the waves are going to start coming in. Eventually the waves are going to come in. And some days they're small waves. Some days they're massive waves. And this is a picture for us. Some days it's just crystal clear. It's calm. It's smooth. Man, the sun is shining on my life, my heart, my family, my finances. It's just everything seems to be good. And then the very next day it's like, where did that wave come from? How did that thing just smack me upside the head like that? Like where in the world did that wave come from? Right? And they're different sizes. They're different things. But it's going to happen. Because problems are inevitable, problems are variable, they're different sizes. And third, I'd say this, that problems are profitable. They're profitable, but that doesn't compute with us. That doesn't compute with us, but this is the way James says it right here. He says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What is he smoking? Like, why would I consider that wave that just about knocked me out, that just about took my family out, that just about took my business out? Why would I consider that wave an opportunity for great joy? You are crazy, James. 
Why? Because you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So in the middle of that testing, it's an opportunity for me to grow. And James says, that's worth being joyful about. That's worth being joyful about because in the middle of this storm, I can actually grow. I can actually get closer to God. I can actually become more and more the human being that I'm supposed to be. Right? This word right here, tested, is an important word. Because this word is mostly used for a silversmith that is testing the silver. Before they can form it and shape it and create jewelry or anything else, they've got to test it. They've got to get rid of all the impurities. And the way that they test silver is they heat it up. And they heat it up. And they heat it up to where it is ridiculously hot. And all of the impurities come to the surface. All the dross, as it's called, comes to the surface. And then the master silversmith takes a tool and he scrapes it off the top completely gets rid of it, throws it away, and then heats the pot right back up again. Impurities come to the surface, scrapes it off, throws it away, heats the pot up again. And this happens over and over and over again until all the impurities are gone. And the way that the silversmith knows that the silver is pure is when he looks into the silver and he sees his own reflection back. That's how he knows he's done. And as we're being tested, it's like all of these, the heat moments that bring the impurities to the surface, God's going, okay, I can use this. Let me take that off. Do I see myself yet? Nope, not just yet. This next test, let's see what other impurities come to the top. Let's scrape it off. Let's throw it away. Do I see myself yet? And every single test I go through is another step, can be, potentially be, another step for me to get closer and closer to God, becoming more and more perfect in my faith. Not a perfect person, but perfect in my faith. A mature believer understanding who God is, and the way that God wants to work in my life. This changes everything for us. Because one of the primary ways that we grow is through trial. It's through testing. It's through problems. It's through suffering. It's through bad news, bad bad diagnosis, problems, rejection. It's through those things that God can do work, that God can move on our behalf. One of the great preachers, men of God from the 1800s, by the name of Charles Spurgeon, most of us have probably heard of Spurgeon before, an amazing man of God that preached millions of sermons. His sermons have been put into book form. He's just an incredible man of God with so much wisdom. Um, I mean, I've I've learned from him for years and years, just incredible. But what a lot of people don't know about this man of God is the trials and the suffering that he he went through for decades. Decades. He traveled, this 1800, so he traveled and circuit and preached and tent revivals and small towns and big towns and just all over the place doing this. But what most people don't know is he suffered with crippling anxiety and depression for decades. Could barely walk out of a hotel room, could barely get out of his bed. Not only that, but he also had a disease called Bright's disease, which is a kidney disease that caused chronic pain almost every moment of his life. And then to keep making it worse, when his wife gave birth to their twins, um, shortly after that, she was bedridden for the next 25 years before she died. Here's a man of God that there is, there's not another preacher, maybe Paul, that is like Spurgeon that was used by God, and yet he walked through trial after trial after trial. And whenever he spoke about them, he spoke about them like waves. He said, there are waves upon waves upon waves upon waves have hit me. 
have landed on me. And this is what he says about it. This is such a powerful line. He said this, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. I have learned to kiss the wave. It's not just about enduring the wave or waiting and maybe one day it'll be over. He said, I've actually learned to lean in and kiss the wave, embrace the wave. Why? Because I know that if I do, it will actually throw me against God himself. It will actually begin to change the core me of who I am. It will actually impact me in a greater way than just another problem. He said, I learned to lean into the wave. Because here's the thing, when you're in the waves, you learn more about God than you do when you're sitting on the beach drinking a lemonade, getting a tan. When you're in the waves and you're being pounded and you realize that God is with you and you realize that he is faithful and you realize that his presence will never leave you, you realize that he loves you in the midst of a storm, in the midst of waves, when you realize that he's there, your faith grows. You see God in a completely different way than you did when you're sitting on the beach getting a tan. Right? You experience the presence of God in a real and tangible way when you are in the middle of a storm and life seems to be falling apart, but yet he did not leave you or forsake you. He is right there. And your faith grows. Your faith grows in a way that it can't when you're just sitting up on the shore. We see a different part of God. And I'll say it this way, that God will never waste a wave. When you lean in and you kiss the wave, God will never waste the wave. No matter how bad it seems right now, no matter how detrimental and terrifying and devastating it seems right now in this moment, I want you to hear me say that God will never waste the wave. He will take that wave and he will use it to propel you towards your destiny so that you can run with horses. So that you can do and be the thing that he called you from the very beginning of your existence. He called you, he set you apart. He said, this is what I want for you. You're going to run through some waves to get there, but this is what I want for you. And I want to do everything that I can do to grow you into that person that can accomplish great things. There's a recent album that just came out that's, um, that's impacting me a lot. Uh, it's by Hillsong United, and there's this one line. Actually, there's two songs. Let me say this. There's two songs that are really hitting me hard right now, and it has to do with all of this, storms and, and what God can do, the pressing in the storm and what can come out of it. But one song is called Another in the Fire, and there's this one line, this refrain that they keep repeating, and it's this line here. I'll count the joy come every battle because I know that's where you'll be. And it just ties me back to James, and I'll be able to consider it joy in the middle of every battle and storm and wave and fire and problem, I'll be able to count it joy because I know that that's where you'll be. You know, the, the three Hebrew children in the fire, God, Jesus showed up in that fire with them. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of the, on, on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus showed up in the middle of the storm and he calmed it. Jesus was there in the middle of it with you and me. And I can be at peace with that. I can have joy in that, that God is there with me. Uh, just a simple little hypothetical exercise real quick, maybe just for fun. Um, but just imagine the last child that you had um, or your wife had. Um, as you were showing up to the hospital and you're kind of getting prepped and getting ready, imagine a nurse came in the room and she handed you a script, a script of your child's life. And she said, this is the next 80, 90, 100 years of your child's life, line by line, year by year, this is what's going to happen. And then she handed you an eraser. And she said, erase anything that you want to erase. 
what would you erase? What would you change? Most of us, we would go after the challenges and the hard times, the diagnosis, the learning disability, the time that they were hurt in middle school, they were bullied, the time that the, the breakup in high school that just ripped their heart apart. The, you, you would begin erasing all of these challenges. You know, they used to call parents helicopter parents a few years ago. That was the thing, helicopter parents. I read an article recently that said that now we are lawnmower parents. We literally, like, mow down all obstacles for our kids, you know. You know but that's what we would do. We would go in and we would begin to erase all of the obstacles. But what if those challenges and those obstacles and that suffering and those problems were the very thing that were going to lead them to God? The very things that were going to lead them into their purpose and destiny, the very thing that was going to create the resilience and the grit and the, and, the, and, and the desire to be whatever they're called to be or meant to be or desire to be. What if it's those very things that were going to propel them into greatness? Our tendency is to say, God, take it all away, wipe it all out, move it all out of the way. We do the same thing for us. God, just get these things out of our way instead of realizing, what if I kiss the wave? What if I embrace the problem? What if I embrace the wave and realize that in the middle of this issue, Jesus can actually do something powerful and profound in my life that propels me to my destiny so that I can run with horses, so that I can run at a level that is impossible for me to run at. There's a lot of us here right now. There's a lot of us here right now that are up against the wave. You're up against the problem. You're battling something. There's a trial. There's suffering. There's something going on in your family right now. I just want to challenge you. Kiss the wave. Lean in. Don't be oblivious. Don't just ignore it. Don't be in denial. See that God can work in the middle of it. Lean in and say, God, what do you want to show me in this season? It's not fun. It hurts. It's painful. I'm afraid I'm going to lose this or I'm going to lose that. But God, I'm going to trust you in the middle of it. Show me something in this. Change me in some way, sharpen me, challenge, like, like pull this stuff out of me so that I can be changed for the better. God, what is it? Lean into it, kiss the wave. Those of you right now that are not experiencing trial, you will. You will. Things are not always going to go your way. Things are not always going to be perfect and wonderful, and it's not always going to be up and to the right. Things are going to fall apart from time to time. And whenever you go through a trial, or whenever you know that a trial is coming, what should you do? If I were going to tell you that in a year from now, you're going to run a marathon, what would you start doing tomorrow, hopefully? You would start training for that marathon. You would not wait until the starter gun goes off to begin training for that marathon, right? If I were to tell you that tomorrow you're going to walk into the trial of your life, what would you do today? I would begin preparing myself for the trial that I'm about to walk into. Right? You don't wait until the storm hits to begin building a foundation on your home. You don't wait until the storm hits to begin fortifying the walls and begin preparing for a storm. You start when there is no storm. And you start building a foundation. You start digging a foundation. You start putting in place whatever it takes to prepare for the storm, the trial that you're not yet in. And if you're not in one yet right, right now, that's my challenge to you is train for the trial that you're not yet in because it's coming. Prepare your heart, prepare your home, prepare your family to be strengthened in God so that you can walk through this. Jesus says this in Matthew 7. Uh, Matthew 7, Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. 
But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains come, because they will, and the winds beat against that house, because they will, it will collapse with a mighty crash. He said, now begin building that foundation. Begin putting into action the things that I say do. Don't wait until the storm to go, okay, now, Jesus, I'm going to get real serious about you now because there's a storm. There's a problem. Jesus, I need you to show up. I didn't need you yesterday when the sun was shining, but Jesus, I need you today because the clouds have just showed up and there's a wave. I need you today when everything seems good, when we're we're moving up into the right, the family's healthy, everybody's good. I need you today just like I'm going to need you tomorrow when the storm hits. But you've got to begin preparing now for the trial that you're not yet in. Begin preparing now for the battle that you're not yet in. Because at the end of the day, all this comes back to who were you created to be? What is your calling? What is your destiny? How can you run with horses? You run with horses by running through the obstacles that are put in front of you. That's how you do it. You know, it's funny because we, we, we pray that prayer a lot. If you're a believer and you've been a believer for a little while, you've prayed the prayer, God, make me into the person I'm created to be. Lord, Lord, make me into the, the man I'm called to be, the woman I'm called to be. God, make me into that person. But the very thing he uses to get you to that, trials and suffering, is the very thing that we run away from. But God says, you keep praying and I'm helping you. But you keep running away from my help. I'm trying to get you there. You're praying to become the man, the husband, the dad that you're called to be, you're created to be. I'm bringing the things into your life to help get you there, but you keep throwing your hands up walking away every time I do. Every time I want to redeem a bad situation, every time I want to redeem something and not waste a wave, you throw your hands up and you walk away. Lean into the wave and let God use the wave to make you into who he's created you to be. But here's the last thing. Sorry, I cut you off. That was really awkward. I apologize. Here's the last final thing. And we're done. Running with horses is impossible. (laughs) It's impossible. You and I, we cannot run with horses. The only way that we can is with the Spirit of God, the power of God running through our body, running through our mind and our heart. It's impossible for us to live and operate at the level he's called us to operate without his power coursing through our veins without being connected to him and being a part of him and being, and being under him. It's impossible. Paul says this in Ephesians 3. He said, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit, his Holy Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And his, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Verse 20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. It's only through his power working through us and in us that we can actually do the immeasurable, the crazy, the, this, the wild things that God's put before us, the running with horses. I know that I cannot accomplish the purpose all my life without God's power. I know that. Do you know that? Do you realize that you have to lean on him every day, every moment, to be able to run with horses, to be able to accomplish the purpose that he put before you? 
every single one of you listening to me right now, before you were formed in your mother's womb, God wrote destiny and purpose into your story. Every single one of you. It doesn't matter how bleak the landscape looks right now. It doesn't matter the obstacles, the waves, the storms. Every single one of you, God wrote greatness into your story. He wrote purpose into your story. Don't turn and walk away from that. Lean into that. And ask God to fill you with his power to accomplish that. To run through walls, to run through waves, to do whatever you've got to do to get to the thing that he's called you to get to. With his power, with his strength. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. And we're so grateful that we get to be in your presence today. Lord, I believe there's so much purpose right here. There's so much purpose in this church. Lord, I pray that it would bubble to the surface right now, that you would remind us the dreams that we've dreamed before, the visions that we've seen before, the the purpose, God, that's bubbled up before that we've forgotten or that's gotten pushed aside because of a wave or a storm. I pray, God, let it bubble to the surface once again and ignite our life with fire and passion. God, that we will be willing to run through every trial, every obstacle, every problem to get to the destiny that you called us to. Lord, I speak greatness over every person in this church, every couple, every family, every single, every college student, high school student, middle school student, every child, every, every grandparent. God, right now I speak life, I speak purpose over our church. God, that we would step up to another level. God, that the running with men wouldn't knock our feet out from underneath us. It wouldn't cause us to face plan. It wouldn't cause us to lose ground. It wouldn't cause us to stop. It would actually push us and propel us into the destiny you've created for us. Lord, we love you and we look to you. We ask for your power. We ask for your Holy Spirit power to lead us and guide us and embolden us, empower us to be who you've created us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.